Welcome back, everybody, to In The Loop. Welcome back, everybody, to another season of In The Loop. My name is Michael Burpo, and I am so excited to be back and having more episodes for you all. This episode is going to be sort of a roadmap and also a recap of last season. We're starting season two, so if you haven't listened to season one, no worries. We'll recap it for you in this episode, as well as give an idea of what you can expect in this season. We have a bunch of cool episodes coming up that we're really excited for, as well as a couple different topics that we haven't approached, so things like leadership, as well as some consumer interviews. This episode is brought to you by Punchmark, the jewelry industry's leading website provider. Join the community of nearly 500 other jewelry stores in choosing Punchmark's easy-to-run and e-commerce-enabled website platform by choosing punchmark.com for your free trial demo. And this episode is brought to you by The Smithy Group, the digital growth agency that helps leaders and businesses dream bigger and achieve multi-generational integrity. Through insights and intelligence, digital marketing, and advertising solutions, they help businesses expand their business and grow their revenue. The Smithy Group has helped hundreds of businesses surpass their goals and believe that whatever your business, whatever your story, they will make it matter to your audience. Thank you so much for joining us for another season. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to In The Loop, season two. We're back with Katie Kinlaw and Cody Giles. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing good. Super excited to be doing this. This is going to be, again, the second season, but really you could kind of listen to these out of order if you if you never listened to an episode before. That's really no problem. I had a lot of fun doing the first season. Did you guys kind of enjoy it? I hope so. So much fun. All the episodes, just going back through and listening to them. And I did a look back today of all the past episodes and everything we talked about in season one. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we covered a lot. I mean, everything from social media to uh, digital marketing. I think you guys came on and did a Google ad buy and then a Facebook ad buy combo, which I think is like, I wish we could enter this in for like an award or something. I would love to get like some type of like, like (laughs) recognition for this thing. But I think it was really good. It's good stuff. Okay, guys. So before we get started, normally we have an intro, but I would just want to say this is in the loop for season two, and we're brought to you by Punchmark and the Smithy Group. And a very special thank you to Podium, and they are sponsoring our show, and uh, we couldn't be more grateful. So a couple of different changes coming to the show this year, and we're going to try to keep this short before we get off to the races. The show is now going to be weekly, so we're coming out every Thursday instead of bi-weekly, which it was in the first season. We're not doing a live show anymore, but we're going to be just coming straight to you with uh, pre-recorded content, but I think it might be a little bit more frequent and able to be covered a little bit quicker. We're going to be covering a couple different topics as well, which are going to, I think, span the whole game. And last time we focused a lot on a lot of digital marketing. Not that that's a bad thing. Katie, I could see. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> but we're going to be kind of diving into um, a few other things like leadership, and we're going to be doing some customer interviews and a few other things like that. And uh, I'm really excited to kind of get this thing going. So what do you think is causing the changes? I mean, apart from COVID, what sort of changes are you seeing in the in the marketplace? I mean, maybe since August, but really in like the last year, what do you guys see as a big change? Yeah, I think that that's definitely a fair question. And a lot of the things that we've seen kind of shift over the course of the past couple of years and not even just, 
you know, over the course of 2020 is really advertising, getting as hyper specific and personalized as possible. We're seeing more broad like email marketing that's just kind of generic and standard that's not really tailored to the individual user, um, just as an example, is not performing quite as well. So just seeing in terms of all of those channels, you know, ads online, email blasts, really being as individual and specific to the actual user is going to be really your best bet. That's one of the more significant trends that we're seeing there too. Yeah, I think going even further with that personalization, contextual based ads as well. So we're actually starting to see a rise in, you know, verbiage that speaks if it changes at night. So you have different verbiage for the night versus during the day. So you're getting that person that's interrupting your Netflix binge to see this new jewelry that we have, like X, Y, and Z. So that personalization going a step further and really it's self-aware from an ad perspective, right? So it's really recognizing that time and day and having that factor into copy and also even imagery as well, because you have a lot of people now, their phones go into night mode, so everything goes to more of a darker aesthetic. So then ads can start to shift with that to kind of keep that similar vibe that they're experiencing on their phone. Man, I didn't even think that dark. I have a yellow tint on my uh, on my phone that shifts everything so it's like less strenuous on your eyes. To me, I think that the biggest one is switching less from the kind of I don't know, like the factory made sort of style of things and shifting right into a very like boutique style of not just marketing, but product and everything in between is I like that feeling that something that was made from scratch or made for me or made custom. I like that feeling I get when I buy it much more than when I buy something of this, even if it's of the same price that was mass made. And I guess that's kind of related to that retail therapy that I feel like people sometimes talk about. Definitely. So what about, um, are you guys seeing any new platforms emerge? I remember when we had talked about this before, Cody, you mentioned talking about TikTok. I think we had all talked about TikTok. It still hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, What do you guys think? Should jewelers be on there? It's different. I mean, we say definitely you need to make sure you have Facebook and Instagram taken care of and you're doing well on Google and you have kind of have those maybe three core anchors and you're doing those really well before you start venturing into other platforms. We still have retailers coming, jewelers coming to us all the time. Do I need to be doing TikTok? Like, no, we still need to get your Instagram together and focus on that first. So <laughs> it's still the ones and twos yeah, that we're absolutely. trying to take care of. TikTok, it's still kind of the wild west, right? You People can sign up, but you don't have to have any sort of demographic data and you lose a lot of those targeting capabilities that you would find on other platforms. So it's still somewhat of the Wild West when it comes to marketing and really what its place is in for smaller businesses. Yeah, you know, and I would definitely agree with that to a certain extent, you know, especially in terms of like the demographic components. You don't have those capabilities, obviously, like you do with other platforms. But it's really interesting. And, you know, I know I always kind of use this example, but myself currently, like looking at like bridal shops um, because I'm getting married and looking at different things like that. A lot of the boutiques that I've followed here locally are kind of reposting TikTok videos and then, but it's really interesting content, you know, when they have like different themes and kind of break it down much more in depth than I feel like you don't currently see on Instagram. Though to be fair, you could say that you could use reels or like Instagram stories and you still have all of that demographic data. So I think there's value in it, but definitely it's not at the point to be as, you know, aggressive in terms of actual, you know, targeting from an advertising standpoint. I think there was that big change with uh, Instagram where they swapped, what is it, the your notifications button with that shop button. And do I think, like hot take, ready for this? I think 
that Instagram knew that we would all hate that. And we all, that's probably the spot that I select the most, notifications as well as the home button. So I keep hitting that and it keeps bringing me to the shop button. And I think all it's doing was, it was just an awareness ploy where they're like, okay, most people don't even know that there's Instagram shopping. We're going to make it so that it's ingrained into their brain, maybe through like a quote unquote, like not as fun way because they're, you know, irked because now it's there. And then they're going to be like, oh, we heard your feedback. We've changed it back. But now, even if they swap it, it's going to be that everybody's aware that there's Instagram shopping. And I think that that is going to uh, just kind of that's that was their end goal anyways. What do you guys think? You could be onto something. It, yeah. You know that it's there now. You know about Instagram shopping. So it was interesting to see that rollout because from our team, a few of us got the update a long time ago and there was an extended period yeah. of time where no one else right. had it. So we're like, our notifications disappeared. The button disappeared. They're like, what are you talking about? It's still the same for me. And I think finally now everybody's rolled over to that Instagram shopping button, but it's so easy to default to clicking in there and expecting notifications. And oh. mm-hmm. now it's shopping. So everybody knows about it. I have two accounts. Um, I have one for like a, a personal art project and I have my own personal account and one has the shopping button and one doesn't. Really? And it's just like, so it just like ruins the whole thing for me. But do you want to see really interesting? Again, I don't, on the one that doesn't have the new change, I have no idea where to find the shopping button. Right. So I guess it's, I guess it proves their point is like they wanted to make it more aware and I'm sure that they see Instagram as like a big revenue driver and I, I suspect that change was, you know, calculated. Of course it's calculated. 100%. So I guess one more thing, you know, kind of another thing to wrap up, I guess this is kind of more of like a holistic sort of wrap up what we saw since the last episode. What kind of changes did you see in end of year marketing uh, so I'm talking November, December, that did you guys see as opposed to years before this? I mean, I think our clients really focused a lot more on digital marketing and online presence because, of course, most people did more of their shopping online. Uh, what did you guys see? I think from our side, it's some, some scenarios you get to December and you start to see CPMs rise and the cost and the auction competition go up. I don't think we saw that as much just because advertisers were so early in the game and starting holiday ads in October that everything kind of went up from a cost perspective at the beginning of Q4 and kind of stayed there the entire way through. So we weren't experiencing a sudden increase in competition in those final weeks leading up to holidays just because everybody was so thoughtful about launching ads very early on because of kind of the climate and how things were in the world that it was getting out there as soon as possible and starting to drive sales early. So there was no kind of ramp up at the very end and a sudden increase in cost, which is a benefit to the retailers and our partners that we're running with. That way we, we really know what to expect and we can start to project the results that we're going to see. And those stay steady throughout and we don't experience those increases and having to figure out how we pivot strategy based on rising costs. Yeah, and I would kind of, to piggyback off of that too, I think we're continuing to see that trend going into Q1 as well. You know, people are more concerned about um, really kind of purchasing and consuming online versus going, you know, in-store nowadays. So we're seeing even now, um, you know, people were purchasing for Valentine's Day even um, towards the end of December. You know, so it's interesting to see that people are already kind of proactively 
planning um, what that's going to look like as well in terms of like special gifts and things of that nature. We've also seen in terms of just kind of general trends is that obviously a lot of people are doing curbside pickups specifically as well. So a significant uptick in that. So it's important for retailers to make sure that if that's something that they do offer to make sure that that's highlighted really well on their website if they're pushing e-commerce too. I think we also saw a rise in just curated collections. So typically for our retailers, people go into the store and then a salesperson on the staff could show them just here's the curation of my top favorites or the top picks that we have that are under $250, for example. Well, now with just the rise of online because of the climate, we saw a lot of that translating into the website and really having those curated collections for the top gifts for her, top gifts for him, top picks under a certain dollar amount. We had a lot of retailers that had a surge in that on their website and I think it played well. It really helps from an advertising perspective of being able to drive traffic to those pages and help sort by categories. Super fascinating. And uh, I was going to say, one of the easiest things that I've come to notice is the, man, I don't even want to call it attention to detail, but I want to call it like the personal touch that I feel like a lot of websites have. And this ties in to our sponsor, Podium. I'll get to them in one second, but I noticed that so many online shopping spaces, whether if you get away from Amazon, all of them, they all seem to have some type of web chat. They all had some type of uh, way for you to converse with the owners of the store, they must have done, someone must have done the research and realized that online shopping is, you know, exhausting sometimes. And by having that personal touch and connection allows you to feel like you're kind of, you know, on the right side of history, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm shopping with a small business as opposed to, you know, Amazon, this multi-trillion dollar company. I guess that ties right into our ad read with Podium. Ready? Our clients know that it doesn't matter how great your website is if people can't find it. Podium helps you get found and chosen by making it easy to get reviews from your happiest customers just by sending a simple review request through text. In fact, with Podium, every step of your customer journey is powered by text messaging so you can talk to your customers on the channels they prefer. Start the conversation on your website with Podium Web Chat. Set appointments, answer questions, and close deals all in the same thread. When it's time to pay, just send a request over text so your customers can pay in seconds. And now that you've got a happy customer, send them a review invite over text too so you can rise up the local rankings and start the cycle all over again. With all this, plus powerful integrations and features in one consolidated inbox, Podium is your tool for customer communication. Send a text, get more done. Punchmark clients will receive 25% off when they sign up for Podium. Learn more at podium.com slash punchmark. Thanks. Back to the show. Anyways, now we're back. So before we get into the outlook for the upcoming year and we kind of bring this thing home, what sort of shopping did you guys do? Did anything stand out to you in this past holiday season in your personal shopping? Did you guys have any experiences that kind of stood out to you? I have a couple, but I'll let you guys go first. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, there was a lot of kind of stress and concern around turnaround time. And I think that was consistent across the board, specifically in regards to shipping. So I found myself really kind of steering towards people that had very clear and specific shipping policies that I knew kind of really that's a yeah, good one. that I knew yeah. really what to expect, obviously. 
they can't control, you know, USPS. And there was a significant volume of more people shopping online, which is why we saw the uptick in a lot of the stress during the holiday seasons with shipping too. But that for me was probably the biggest thing that I kind of changed when I was shopping for my family and and for my friends this year. Yeah. Yeah. Katie, I was going to say the exact same thing. Also to mention to your point, Mike, before the break, you mentioned web chats. And I think that's so important just because when I'm going to the website, the first thing before I start looking at products, I just need to know, is it going to arrive in time? So there were several scenarios where I used the web chat just to get a bit more information about shipping and like, what is the shipping times? What does that look like before I start browsing and putting things into my cart to know, is it going to make it on time or isn't? I think a lot of people probably shop that way this year. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot of shopping with Amazon because they know two day window. It's going to get here in time. Yeah. Right. But when you're looking at any other website, first thing is, is it going to make it in time? If not, then I'm probably going to move on to the next website if I need it by Christmas. That's a really good point. Right. Yeah. And I would say probably the only other thing that I would mention too for myself specifically, when kind of purchasing for like stocking stuffers, stockings are like my favorite part about (laughs) about the holidays, Um, all the little fun trinkets that you can get. I found myself specifically going after small and local businesses to purchase from just because of the times that we're in. Um, You know, it's just more of a front in my mind. So even like going on Etsy and like looking to see if there's any like local shoppers in my area, you know, kind of doing the research more tailored towards shopping local, which I think we've kind of seen across the board this year, but specifically for the holidays too. So what I did was I had this kind of interesting experience. So I started following, I mean, this is going to go right over a lot of our listeners' heads, but that's okay. Uh, a couple pro gaming companies and I'm trying to follow esports a little bit more. It's just something I want to be interested in. And I follow this one company called 100 Thieves. They're one of the, the companies. Hey, you know, dude, they're my best. I just got a sweatshirt from them. And my, yes, <laughs> I know 100 Thieves. It's so expensive, but it's, it's a job. Did you get the merch? It's so expensive. It's that sponsorship money. (laughs) Mike has the money. Mike has the money if he's got the 100 Thieves merch. (laughs) That's where the sponsorship dollars are going. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, what's funny is, um, so they have these things called limited drops. And just for the people that are listening, I'll just try to set it up for you. I feel like these people might know. But limited drops, what they do is they intentionally print or produce less than the amount that they know they could sell. So if, say, they're going to make sweatshirts, they make, uh, and they know that they could sell 500 sweatshirts, they might make 100 sweatshirts. And the reason why is they do a thing called price laddering, which is where, say, they sell this sweatshirt for $100. Well, they know that if they sell less than the amount that's, you know, that's uh, warranted or the amount that's wanted, then someone is going to buy that sweatshirt and then sell it to someone of the other 400 people that didn't get it. And then they're going to mark up the price. So if they take that $100 uh, sweatshirt and they sell it for $200, well, that means that 100 Thieves can come back the next drop and sell another sweatshirt for $150 and and still be under the you know the StockX price, the resale value price, which means that they are still under the value, but they just marked up you know fifty percent. So I had a really interesting experience buying an online limited drop where I tried to buy something at exactly two o'clock, which is when the drop came out, and 
I, it refreshed my thing for me. I added it to my cart. I, sh- I checked out and it put me into a, in line. That's what they called it. Mm-hmm. And they put me into line. And then I stood there and just with a white screen for like, I don't know, five minutes. And it said, do not leave. You're standing in line. And you stand there, stand there, stand there. It just on, on the computer. And then it comes up and it's like, you have one minute to buy this. And you enter in your credit card information and you're out. But it was fascinating where they give you a, what I would call an aggressively ugly screen to stare at while you're standing in line, but they know you're not going anywhere. So they can kind of pull back the UI and experience design mm-hmm. to because they, they already have all this bandwidth to work with when it comes to what you're willing to tolerate. They could have put up like a freaking epilepsy inducing flashing screen. I probably would have just stood there with my hand up against the screen and waited until I was willing to check out, you know? Pretty interesting. Well, isn't this interesting because the typical process is you wait to get into the store, either physical or digital, you wait to get in, then you can go about your purchase. Here is saying everyone can come in. Now you need to wait to make that purchase. So they can see in real time all the things that are being added to cart, how many people are in the store, all of this data they can gather, and then you to check out is the point that you get online. It's a little challenging because you think, oh, I made it into the website. I've got it. I've secured the bag. And then you realize, no, there's another line to check out. Yes. So for consumers, I think it takes a bit of time to get used to that flow because we're so used to the other way of, I think about Ticketmaster and you want to buy concert tickets, you just have to wait in that waiting room for 20 minutes before you get in to see the tickets to now I have access to everything. I need to find something quick to get in line. It's almost like going into an actual store and you're getting in line to wait to make a purchase. It's fascinating. They put the bottleneck at, I guess, maybe metaphorically in the farther end of the buy funnel, they put the bottleneck at the very end, which means that they have a 100% uh, yeah, like a hundred percent checkout rate, as opposed to putting it in the front, and then everybody who gets through, they might not have a hundred percent checkout rate, and some people might leave upset because they waited and then they tried to buy and it wasn't there. It's kind of just flipping it on its head. It's just sort of interesting. Yeah, it's purely psychological. I if I can get into the website as soon as I get there, and if I know I'm in line to check out, I'm going to stay versus if I try to go to the website two minutes late and I can't even get to the website, I'm going to leave and not think about it again. So it's all a psychological game and it increases purchases. It has to hundred percent. Yeah. And another thing that we've even seen kind of in that same um, component too, is a lot of pre-ordering as well. So situations like that where inventory is relatively limited, especially I think over the course of the past business quarter where maybe inventory is a little bit less scarce because you have to obviously bring that in and, um, you know, is a little bit limited in terms of what that um, kind of flow looked like. So a lot of people pushing towards pre-ordering has certainly helped kind of curb a lot of those angry people that went through the whole process, waited in line, you know, wasn't able to make that purchase. And a lot of people were able to help with that situation by utilizing it that way too. So guys, maybe let's just take a look at the upcoming episodes in the season. I'm just going to kind of just give you guys an idea of the pieces that are going to be coming up just so that you can be excited and also to see where our head's at with this podcast. Like we said, this podcast, I'd like to think it's kind of, um, it doesn't really know what it is yet. I, I think we're just trying to educate you guys so that you, the listeners, can make the best decisions possible when it comes to running your business. Because nothing is more frustrating than being like, 
frustrated with your your traffic on your website. And it's like, why can't I get more traffic? I have this great website. I have all my inventory on there. I have great photos. And well, the answer is just like, maybe you need to be working on a ad buyer. Maybe you need to work on your ranking or, or stuff like that. The answers are out there. And I like to think that we have the answers, but it's us trying to convey those answers to you because uh, in this world where we don't really have any more um, digital summits or jewelry shows or, or meetings of the mind, that's what we're going to try to replace. And we're going to do our best to kind of educate you on what is out there. And then you can decide whether or not it's your time to act. And when you kind of have all the tools laying on the table and you can decide which one to pick up, if that makes sense. So a couple things that we have coming up, we have next episode is going to be about which digital tools should you be taking advantage of, which is really exciting. These guys, of course, are much more experienced with that, but kind of like there are a couple of things under 20 bucks a month, right? What do you guys think? Under 20 bucks a month that you can be just really elevating yourself uh, as far as and, and make it so that you don't have to work quite as hard. You can just spend a little bit of money just to ease yourself in there as well as a couple of our favorite websites in the jewelry industry as or a couple of websites that we think are really cool and what makes a cool website. And then we're also going to be getting into some things like leadership. We're going to have on Ben Smithy from the Smithy Group, as well as Ross Cockrum, who's the CEO of Punchmark. And we're going to have them on to talk not just about being a, a business owner, but also about leadership. How do you get the most from your employees? So we have some really exciting stuff that's just that's not quite... 100% the realm of digital marketing, but it is also a little bit more all-encompassing and stuff that you guys should be paying attention to uh, as well and just keep in the back of your head. Do you guys have anything that you're most excited about? I think we have a few panel presentations that we're going to go through, or panel discussions. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk with some Gen Z, uh, the Gen Z population. That'll be a fun panel conversation. I think Ben has one a bit later, just it's really more about the industry and some more industry focus. That should be a good one for our listeners. Yeah. 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 I think that's probably the episodes that I'm looking forward to the most, just because, you know, we can say from our perspective as a millennial group, for the most part, um, kind of our perspective, but the Gen Z's um, have such a different perspective, I feel like on certain components. So kind of getting that raw data specifically from them, I think will be a really cool insight there too. We also have one that's going to come up. Uh, I'm so excited about it. It's it's called Getting Engaged in 2021. And um, we're going to interview a couple of ring buyers. And I think it's going to be really illuminating for a lot of the listeners to actually hear what the buy process is like for a lot of our, uh, a lot of shoppers. Because I think a lot of jewelers, they kind of uh, are getting a little bit too close to the source, if you know what I mean. Like a lot of them, I think that they think that the shopper really cares about the quality of this diamond. Could be true. A lot of them don't actually care about that part. They're caring about other things. Like, I want to do this as easy as possible. I don't want to get made fun of. I don't want her to get made fun of or, or him. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to uh, kind of question, like, should I get a round rock or a square rock? That's the kind of questions that I had with my brother who actually bought a engagement ring and proposed last year. And we're going to sit down and talk with a couple of these uh, these first-time ring buyers and kind of get an idea of what they paid attention to. And uh, I think it's going to be really fun. I don't think anyone's done that yet in the, in the industry. Anything else, guys, before we wrap this thing up? Sounds good. Awesome. 
Anyways, uh, we'll be coming back to you next week, next Thursday. A special thank you to Katie and Cody. I think you guys are going to be on the next episode, as well as a very special thank you to Podium for sponsoring this episode, to Punchmark and the Smithy Group for making this happen. And again, my name is Michael Burpo. Thank you guys for joining us on In The Loop, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, bye. Bye.